Trading options with Mark Petrino. Had the great pleasure of actually meeting Mark Petrino over the weekend at FinTwit 2022. Uh, and Mark is here. He's got some ideas for us. So let's bring him on. Mark, uh, good morning, man. How are we doing today? Hey. Hey, Spencer. How are you? How was the rest of your trip? We, we, we sort of parted ways on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. Well, I don't think I'm allowed to say. Right? Uh, yeah, okay. That's fair. Because what happens in Vegas is supposed to stay out there. That, that is what they say. That is what they say. <laughs> Um, uh, no, right. it was a great time. I mean, a bunch of the students, we, uh, you know, we, we just, we just had a great time. I mean, uh, awesome. this is the most fun. I've. It's literally probably the most fun I've had in years. I was saying that too, actually, which I don't know what that says about my life, but, um, um, or your, yours for that matter. But anyway, the point is if you missed it next time, uh, all right, Mark, let's bring your screen up or your slides up on the screen. Here they are. Uh, the floor is yours. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks for um, <clears throat> checking in. <clears throat> My name is Mark Petrino. I'm the head of the um, Benzinga Trading School. So I have a pretty extensive background in trading. I worked for Stevie Cohen and Mario Gabelli was the first uh, my first trading job. Um, so Mario is still pretty active. Stevie now is pretty well much known for owning the New York Mets and supposedly the movie. Or I mean, the show Billions is made after him or about him. Uh, after there, I left and I did stints at three different institutional money managers uh, for about five years each where I was the head of trading and oversaw pretty much every kind of strategy you could ever think of. <clears throat> you know, your head strat, your uh, hedge funds, deep value, mutual funds. I spent a few years as a market maker. Um, I've been in the Market Technicians Association for a long time. So one of the things we talk about in the trading school is options. So <clears throat> that's what I'm going to do today is just give some basic overviews and maybe look into the market for some potential ideas. But first, before we start talking about what an idea is or, you know, looking at the market, let's talk about why people like options. Well, the bottom line is you can make a lot of money. You, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's why we're all here, right? It's like um, options allow you to take control of a large position of stocks for a little bit of a little bit of money. You could buy a contract um, for whatever the amount is. It could be $50, $100, maybe $500. And it allows you to control 100 shares of, this, of a stock. So you could have a stock that's, say, $100 a share. And you could buy a little bit of a little bit of uh, an option position, maybe put in say 500 or a thousand dollars and you can make money based on which way that stock goes. Okay. Now the good thing about options is if it goes your way, you can make significantly more than you put in. For example, a stock is at uh, 90 and it goes to a hundred. Well, that's a, you know, a, whatever, a slightly over a 10% turn return, which is great. An options trader potentially could position themselves where they could turn their $500 or $1,000 or whatever to potentially maybe double it or even triple it based on the move of that stock. Options are what we call derivatives. It sounds complicated, but it's not as, not as complicated as it, it sounds, right? A derivative is a security that derives its price from another security. Options derive their prices from stocks. Well, we're that's what we're talking about today. There are options on cryptos. There are options on pretty much everything. But let's, just to keep it simple for today, let's just assume that we're talking about stocks. So 
the good thing is you can make a lot more money than you can if you're buying a stock. The bad thing is, is say you buy the option, um, you say you think a stock is going to go from 90 to 100 and you buy an option that will allow you to benefit if that happens. Well, if it doesn't happen, you're going to lose all of your money. You're going to lose the total amount of, that you invested. The person who bought the stock, maybe they didn't make any money, but they didn't lose any money either. So with a with a option contract, you can lose 100% of your value. You pretty much can with the stock too, but if it's a real company, you know the odds are way less likely. So that's why people like options. You have a you can lose a finite amount of money, but some people think the risk reward re relationship is worth it because you can make more than you invest, significantly more than you invest sometimes. So about options contracts, what are options? Well, they are contracts. It says it right in the name. It's a contract that gives you an option, right? A call option gives you the right, but not necessarily the obligation, but the right to buy a stock at a specific price up to a certain period of time or date. That's your contract. Just like if you had someone come over to your house to you know, do some, some work, you would sign a contract with them and you would say, the work needs to be done by this date and this is the price it's gonna cost. That's your contract. So an example of a call option might be, all right, I wanna, I'm going to go out and buy myself the right to buy stock XYZ at $10 any point between now and next Friday. So that's my contract. And someone out there in the market is willing to take the other side of that contract. That's what markets are. There's always someone on the other side. You're buying it from someone who has the opposite opinion of you. So if, say, the stock now is at $10, and you buy a contract that gives you the right to buy it at $10 between now and next Friday, well, right now your contract really wouldn't be worth that much because the stock is at $10. Someone could just go out into the market and buy it at $10 anyway, so what's the big deal? Well, now say that stock on, uh, on Friday goes to 12. Well, now all of a sudden your, your, your contract, your right to buy that stock at 10 is now it's going to be worth worth something because someone could you you could take that contract exercise your option buy it from the person who said they would sell it to you at 10 turn right around into the market and sell it at 12. so your option contract is worth at least 200 dollars. so the stock went from the stock went from 10 to 12 that's a 20 percent move but your option contract that you bought probably went up significantly more than that. And we'll get some concrete examples. A put is the exact opposite. A put gives you the right to sell something. Not the obligation, but the right to sell it. So say you buy a contract that gives you the right to sell XYZ at $10 anytime between now and next Friday. Well, if except if XYZ goes to 12, well, then your option isn't really going to be worth anything. Like, no one cares about the right to sell it at 12, or I mean, sorry, at, tell, at, at 10, if you could just go into the market and sell it at 12. Now, say the opposite happens. Say the stock drops to eight. Instead of going to 12, it drops 20% and it goes to eight. Well, now you have this contract that allows you to sell the stock at, at 
10. So now your contract is valuable because the stock is trading in the market at eight. You can go out there and you can you can buy the stock in the market and exercise your contract to sell it at 10. So th this is what options are. They give you the right, it's a contract to buy a stock at a certain price up to a certain period of time. So options have characteristics. One of them is going to be quite simply the asset. That's the stock that whatever the contract is based on. It could be Microsoft, Tesla. Most, most popular stocks have, have options on them. The next thing is the quantity. Well, this is the amount of shares that we're talking about. Generally for stocks, it's it's a it's a hundred. Uh I've I think there's some talk or maybe some places do partial options, maybe or partial shares for higher price stocks, but that's not something a hundred percent sure of. I guess your broker would probably offer that. But so in general, it's a hundred, it's a hundred shares. The next thing is the expiration date. Oops, sorry, the expiration date. This is the date of which the contract expires. It's up to next Friday, up to July 2nd, up to September 18th, whatever it is. The expiration date is the date that your contract is no longer effective. The day after this, your contract has expired and it's no longer, you know, you, we, you hopefully would have sold it. In worst case scenario, it expires worthless. The strike price is the price that the contract specifies that the ex exchange could take place at. Like we just talked about a call with a $10 strike price or a put with a $10 strike price. Calls and puts. The call is the one that gives you the right to buy the stock. Think about it like this. You can call in the stock at whatever price it is. That's what I. That's how I visualize it. So you call your dog. You know, so you're calling in the stock. The, the right to sell it is the put. The way I visualize that is you can take it, the stock, and you can go put it into someone else's account at whatever price you uh, had decided. Then there is the premium, okay? Now think about this. When a contract is issued, and they're issued by the exchanges, the exchanges like the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, they issue these things because they make money when people trade them. So if there's enough interest, they put together these contracts and they put them out in the market and people trade them, and then the exchange makes monies, makes money on the fees or whatever the fees are behind the exchanges. They probably get those from the brokers. Um, but when a contract is issued, the asset, the quantity, the expiration date, the strike price, the type, those are set in stone. Those don't change. The only thing that changes is what we call the premium. This is where a lot of your focus should be on is the premium. The premium is that is the cost of how much it is to get into an option contract. The more popular something is, the more volatile something is, the higher the premium is going to be. Look at it this way. Pretend you don't have, uh, I don't know, theft insurance on your car. All right. Then all of a sudden, there's a your neighbor's car gets stolen and someone else gets car is stolen. Well, all of a sudden, you're probably going to be willing to pay a higher premium for auto insurance or theft insurance than you would in normal times. So when something is 
really popular, vol uh, volatile, the premiums tend to go up. As a matter of fact, this really comes down to what the VIX index is, which we can cover if you would like. The VIX index, people trade options on it. Basically, if the market's really crashing or going lower, the VIX index tends to spike higher. So people buy calls, meaning they profit if the VIX goes higher. So if the market goes lower, people who buy calls on the VIX make a lot of money. So that's something to think about. What is the VIX really in sim simplistic way of looking at it? Well, money managers who have big portfolios of stocks, if they think the market's going to go lower, they might not want to sell all their stocks. It might be unfeasible. A couple of the hedge funds I've worked at literally had three, 400 different positions in stocks. It's, it would just be unpractical to go out there and sell them. So what the managers do is they go into the market and they buy put options as protection. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They buy call options on the VIX as protection. So if the stocks go down, the VIX goes up, the call options the managers uh, bought go up. So it offsets the losses. The reason why the VIX spikes when people are really afraid is because the VIX is really a measurement of how much people are willing to pay to get that insurance of having the hedge. So just like if you had a rash of car robberies in your neighborhood, you'd be more willing to pay higher prices for insurance on your car. If the market is really coming apart and falling out of bed, people are willing to pay higher prices for that insurance to hedge themselves as it goes lower. So the VIX trading is ultimately all about what the premium is. So everything else is set in stone. The only thing that's determined by the market is the premium. So we talked about the asset types, stocks, cryptos, futures. Um, for today, we're just going to talk about stocks. Options are called either American or European. This is basically has to do with when they, ex uh, when they expire. For most option trading, it's not really something you're going to have to worry about because 95%, if not even more, 98% of options traders in the retail world are going to buy and sell. I, I'm pretty sure European options or index options that you can only exercise on the expiration date, whereas American options you can exercise at any time. But that's not really something we need to get that concern, concerned with. We talked about the quantity, that's 100 shares, the expiration date the day the contract expires, the strike price, the premium. So let's talk about the premium because this is really the most important thing because all the other stuff is set in stone. We have what we call the intrinsic value of an option, okay? This is the value of what would it be if it was just automatically exercised. For example, you have a contract, a call, to buy a stock at 10 and the stock is at 12. Your intrinsic value is $200. You have two points on a contract of 100 shares. That's $200. That's the intrinsic value. If it was the stock was at 15 and the call is for five, I mean, sorry, 10, you have five points of intrinsic value. You can go into the market, buy it at 10, 100 shares at 10. You can sell the 100 shares at 15. You made 500 bucks. 
if a call if you have a call to buy it at 10 and the stock is at eight you have no intrinsic value because no one cares about your contract to buy a 10 if they can go on the market and buy it at eight so if a stock is if a stock is higher than the expiration price for a call we say that has intrinsic value if the stock price is lower than the contract price there's no intrinsic value because the contract is worthless because you could just go out into the market and buy the stock at the lower price. Now, the opposite is true for a put. Put buyers want the stock to go down. If you have the right to sell at 10 and the stock is at 12, your contract is going to have no intrinsic value. No one's going to pay you for the right to sell at 10 if they can just go into the market and sell at 12. Now, say the opposite occurs. Say this stock is at 8 and your put contract allows you to sell at 12. Your intrinsic value is $200. You can go into the market, buy it at eight. You can turn around and sell it at 10. That's $200. So now the next step in the equation is the time value. The intrinsic value versus what we call a time value is really what sets the premium. Say you have a contract that gives you the right to buy the stock at 10 and is trading at 10. Well, you have the right, and this now say this contract um, doesn't expire for a month. Well, that's going to have some time value. Even though it might not be worth anything now, you might say, well, I could buy it in the market at 10. This person has a contract that allows me to buy it at 10. You might start thinking, well, wait a second. Between now and when this expires in a month, there's a chance it's going to go higher. So I'm willing to pay a little bit of money just for the risk or to take the chance that the value is going to go higher. So say the contract that has no intrinsic value now, it gives you the right to buy it at 10, but the stock's trading at 10. Say in a month from now, someone is willing to say, well, the ability to take that risk over the month is worth $200 to me. That's going to give that same option a time value of $200. So one of the things that makes uh, options cost more or less than their intrinsic value is how far you can go off. It's the same thing with like any kind of a contract. The longer your contract is, the greater the odds are that whatever the conditions need to be met are met. So it might have more value. So the more in general, the more distant the expiration, the time, higher the time value. Now, this is something a lot of retail traders or newer traders lose money on because they don't call, they don't understand what we call time decay. Um, we can use fancy Greek words, like I think we can call this theta decay, but think about it. If the stock is at 10 and today you can buy it at 10 or you have a call option to buy it at 10, that's not going to be worth anything. Your, your contract's going to have an intrinsic value. Say the right to buy it at 10 in a month from now, someone's willing to pay you $200 for it. So the option is now trading at two, right? Well, 
if the stock doesn't move as we get closer and closer to that expiration date, that premium that you're willing to pay for the extra amount of time is going to get lower and lower and lower and lower each day as we get closer to the date. So you could pay a premium for a stock, I mean, sorry, for an option contract and the contract and the stock might not move and you could end up losing money because you're paying for the option to have this thing go out into a certain date in the future. As we get closer to that date, if the stock doesn't move, the option is going to be worth less value. So the premium on a contract is what causes sellers to sell. They think, oh, this premium sounds like it's too rich and I'm going to go ahead and sell. So that's what we look at for the premiums. Now, this is an example of U.S. Steel, and this is what we would look at. When we look at option quotes, we call these option chains. And we have our calls and we have our puts. All right. At this particular time, U.S. Steel was trading at 1925. So we can look over here. And this was uh, the week before this. So this is like the week of January 20th. And the, this shows you the expiration date. So this is what we talked about before. We have our calls. We have our puts. We have our expiration date. So now let's just say someone says to themselves, hey, by next week, I think that U.S. Steel is going to go higher. I'm going to buy a call. Let's take a look at these calls. These are the expiration prices, or I'm sorry, these are the strike prices. These are the last prices, and these are the current bid and offers. So right now we could see or at this time, U.S. Steel was trading at $19.25. Say someone says, I think this is going to go up to $21. Okay. Well, at the time, the person caught of that bought that ability or, or right to buy the stock at $21 strike price for $44 or for, let's call it $45 right in the middle. So $45 to buy that contract. Now, if the stock doesn't move or if it continues to go lower, that person is going to lose pretty much all their money, right? Now, say the stock does go to 21. Well, the person who bought the stock at 1925 and it sells it at, or it gets to 21, that's a pretty darn nice return, right? That's like a, well, like a 10% return or 8% return or something. Well, the value of this option contract is going to soar, right? If the stock gets to 22, the value of this, the intrinsic value is going to increase in least by $100, at least. It's going to increase more because there's time value. But if the person, we have the difference between the stock trader buys it in 1925, it goes to 22, that's whatever percent it is. The person who bought it here, the intrinsic value is going to go at least bare minimum 100 because it's the right to buy the stock at 21, go into the market and sell it at 22. These contracts are going to go to at least $145. So this is a situation where the if the stock went to 22, oops, sorry, I'm just doing a little. 
little bit of a mathematical calculation here. All right, so the option or the stockholder is going to make 16%. I mean, that's great, right? 16%. The person who bought the option is going to at least, at least make more than double their money. All right, so this is a really simple example, but it just shows you how, which it shows you the appeal of why people want to trade options. Because they, if you get the call the right way, and I shouldn't say the call, if you're if you get the direction of the market the right way, then you can make a lot more money. So let's go back to this example, and let's say this person thought, "All right, you know what? It's at nineteen twenty-five. I still I think it's going to go higher. I'm going to buy a contract to buy it at nineteen. So it's in the market at 1925. So that tells you this ability to buy it at 19 has value already because you can just, you know, exercise it, buy it at 19 and sell it at 1925. So this contract costs a lot more. And the reason why it isn't um, just 25 and it's 1.2 is because people are paying for the fact that we have an extra week and it might go higher. Now, let's say the stock goes from 19 to 22, right? 19 to 22. So that gives the stock buyer a 14% profit. If this went to 22, okay, the ability to exercise your contract and buy the stock or call it in at 19 and where you can turn around and go into the market and sell it at 22 is going to have at least three points of intrinsic value. All right. So your contracts are going to go by up by at least three. So the contract you paid a dollar 24 or $120 for is going to shoot up to around $420. So you're, you know, more than tripling your money, whereas the stockholder is, um, you know, getting a great return, but it's certainly nothing like this. Now, if the stock doesn't move, <clears throat> the guy who bought it or the investor who bought it at 19, they're not going to lose. They might not make money, but they're not going to lose. If the stock goes to 18, they're going to lose a point on, you know, $19, whatever that is. It's not great, but it's not a wipeout. The option holder could end up losing all of their money. So this is why people like to trade options. So now, well, let, and let, now that's the call. Let me walk you through the put, which is really just the opposite. And then we'll look in the market for some potential things, which uh, certain option traders might find, you know, might find, might look at strategies on. Now let's pretend it's 1925 again. You think it's going to go down. You say, you know what? I think by the, week, by the time we get to January 28th, within a week, this stock is going to be down to $18. So the right to sell it at 19 is going to have value. So at this given moment, you can go into the market and buy a contract while the stock is at 1925. The right to sell it at 19 between this day and January 28th, which was probably a week, 
would have cost you um, around $90, $92. Let's say the stock actually does go to 18. Well, that's going to put at least $100 of intrinsic value on your contract. So you're going to double your money at the very minimum. So, but again, if the stock doesn't move or if it goes the wrong way, then you're going to end up um, losing money. So I want to show you one of the things that we talk about in the trading school. And we talk about options a lot. Um, in the trading school, we cover, you know, my, my background is 25 years in the institutional trading world. So what I try to do is bring what I learned to teach people that are just getting into investing and have an interest in trading and so forth. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. And 90% of the stuff that you see on other sites, um, besides Mzinga, you know, there's, there's a lot of garbage out there. We see, we just saw over the last week, a very, very well-known and formally well-respected uh, trading school just had to pay massive fines for, for misleading people. Um, you know, in the, in the institutional trading world, we don't have these secret esoteric systems. Like a Stevie Cohen doesn't have some secret system he came up with that no one knows about. You, you know, he never loses monies on trades. That's all fake. That's all myths. The institutional world, we focus on things like which price levels are important. What's the trend? What's the momentum? Is something overextended or not? So that's what I want to go to now, just to give show you an example. And I know hindsight's 2020, but this is something that we looked at, we looked at in the market when we talked to about momentum. So why is this important? Well, momentum refers to how far a particular stock has moved in a given period of time from point A to point B is not volatility. If something could be really volatile, but if it ends up back where it started in the measure of that time period, the momentum is going to be neutral. One of the things we want to do when we're looking for option trades is to look for stocks that are either overextended or overbought or really beaten down or oversold because we expect a reversion. Every stock, every crypto, every market, every ETF has its normal or its historical trading range or what we would call in the trading school. It's like it's trading personality. And this is because there are different people that um, different types of investors come in and out at different times. But anyway, if something is a trading above what's that historical or, you know, it's range personality, so to speak, um, we call that overbought. If it's below that, if it's been really beaten down, we call it oversold. Why do we care? Well, there's all these computerized programs out there probing the markets with the old you know, algorithms, which are really not a bad thing, which I would be happy to explain. In the trading school, we don't just talk about trade. We talk about what really happens on Wall Street, and you know, we expose some of the myth. Like, for example, in the two years I was a market maker, I didn't realize that. My job was to go to work to rip off the little guy every day. But for some reason, people think that's the case. But I can assure you that that's not how real market making works. But anyway, we look for stuff that's overextended. So this is Tesla. This on the bottom here is a common momentum indicator. I haven't changed the defaults or anything. This is available on Benzinga Pro, pretty much any software that I've ever seen. It's called the Relative Strength Index. 
it measures momentum. Remember, when things get overextended, the, they get targeted for a reversion. So this is Tesla. And this is actually right after we got the class started. So this is one of our first trading ideas I think that people really did well on as a, as a short idea here or for people to buy put options. Now, it seems like a long time ago, but this was you know October, November. This was really where the market started to come apart um, in, the, in November. And that's when we got bearish in the class. So this whole recent sell-off has really not been a surprise. Um, but, you know, things go down at different times. All the internet stocks, I mean, sorry, the meme stocks all blew up. That's what I call the garbage. Then a lot of other stocks started going down in November. But because the money was going into the big stocks like Apple and Microsoft, the broader indices masked, there was a lot of bearish dynamics going on underneath or behind the scenes, so to speak. But anyway, Tesla gets extremely overbought. As a matter of fact, we can go back here through the history of Tesla, right? We're back here into 2015, 2013. And what can you see? Well, at this given moment here in November, Tesla was the most overbought that it had been in the history of it being a stock. So this is basically as, you know, as good of a guarantee as a signal as you will ever get in the history of trading. When you get things that are at historical levels, they've never been this overbought before. They've never been oversold. So this is the type of thing where, you know, my thoughts would be, or the way I would do it is look for stuff that's overbought or oversold. And then that's where you play the reversion. So that brings us to today. Now I was looking at Walmart before. Walmart is obviously getting crushed. And the reason why it's getting crushed is because, you know, basically to put it into one sentence because transportation costs are getting so high that's really eating into their bottom line i mean look in the look around the room that you're in right now right pretty much everything in the room that you're in was in a truck at one point right walmart needs trucks every company pretty much needs trucks um so when oil prices and now especially diesel prices go so high, this is really like, this is really symbolic here of how bad things really are. The fact that you could have a behemoth like Walmart in a matter of, you know, a matter of two days shed so much just shows you that this economy is really, you know, uh, really coming apart. I mean, in the class we were talking about how the GDP print was going to be negative. And we, I think we found one other research firm that said that everyone else was, it was going to be positive, but inflation, you know, has been apparent for a long time. Um, and I first started writing about it in August, two years ago, because of copper prices. But anyway, I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. So let's go back to Walmart and think about this in terms of options. And I will teach you one of the things that I, one of the ways I look at the market. Clearly, the stock is getting crushed. Clearly, it broke through a level that had been support back here. We're going to call this level, this blue line here, we're going to call this 127. All right. Notice how it was support back here. We blew right through it. We're extremely oversold now. 
So when Walmart gets this oversold, like here, there's generally some kind of a bounce back. Like back here, you know, it's hard to see, but it went from 85 up to 100. Um, back here, this was like a bottom. So it's extremely oversold. Now, here's the problem most new retail traders have. They want to, and not even, not even just retail traders, a lot of professional traders do. They want to catch the bottom, right? They want to catch the bottom. But we don't know when that bottom is going to be. So here's an idea what I would be thinking of for a potential call strategy on Walmart. Well, it's set up to reverse. We like to look at trades like this. You have your get ready, get set. And then the go is what makes actually makes you make the trade. So to me, this stock looks like it's called, it's set up. It's like it's get ready, get set. It's at the starting line. It's really oversold. It's been really beaten down. There's a good chance it reverses. But it's not a great chance. It's not a perfect chance. It's not guaranteed money. So the idea is to not try to catch the fall knife. Don't try to catch the bottom. Get it on the way back up. So what could potentially happen that would tell me that this is going back up? Well, one of the ways stocks markets work is that levels that were support can turn into resistance levels. Think about this. There were people that bought Walmart last March around 127 that, you know, this whole time it went up, it went down. They were like, all right, this is great. Blah, 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 blah. I own Walmart. It's doing well. Now it collapses. A lot of the people from back here, believe it or not, now have buyer's remorse and they want to get out. They're like, I made a mistake. The stock is lower. Now I'm losing money. So there's going to be a lot of remorseful buyers placing their sell orders at the same level they bought at. So that means there's a chance there could be a lot of selling or resistance at this line. I would think if the stock gets through that, it would tell us those sellers are done or they're gone and it's going to keep moving higher. So what is a potential play here? Well, if I'm right, and I'm not saying I am, and this is not a recommendation, this is just the way someone like me would look at a trade like this. If Wall Street revert or Wall Street, if Walmart reverses and gets back through 127, I think there's a good chance it's going to go back up to here. Because just like there might be resistance here, there might be resistance here because the people who bought it here are underwater now and they're going to want to get out. So my entry point would be a reversal back above 127, say if it gets to 128, and my target would be 134. So if I look at the 130 calls right now, if I'm right, Whatever price the 130 calls are trading at, if I'm right and they get and the stock gets to 134, those 130 calls are going to have at least $400 of intrinsic value. So let's see what they're trading at now. And I, I apologize, I should have had this uh, set up before. Um, we're going to go look at this option chain on the NASDAQ. All right, so
Um, we're going to go to option chain. All right, so remember, we're looking. We're, the stock's at say one twenty-five. We're looking at the one thirty calls. If the stock gets to one thirty-four, whatever the call price is, is going to go up by at least, at least uh, four hundred dollars. So, right now, the calls for May twentieth for one hundred and thirty. You go in the market right now and buy these things at $30, right? Let me just make sure I'm looking at this right. So we have calls. We have the date next week. Expiration, 130. So now say hypothetically I'm right. And buy next, well, this is only two days. That's one of the reasons why they're, they're so cheap because it's only giving you two days. But say within the next two days, Walmart reverses and gets back up to 134 this $30 that I spent is going to go up by at least $400. So I'm going to be making more than 10 times my money. Uh, if a person buys it at 125 and it goes up to one the 134 level that we're talking about, you know, they're going to be up 7%. But the person who bought these calls is going to go up by, you know, more than 10 times their investment. So this is why people like to buy options. Now, what I teach uh, my class is that a lot of we have a lot of day traders and a lot of day traders are option traders. And basically, if there's no news on a specific company on a given day, then it's probably not going to move. The thing that's going to move a stock is some kind of a long-term dynamic. Like, for example, being really oversold based on a longer-term thing, being really overbought. You know, there might not have been any news up here that made Walmart roll over, but the fact that it was overbought longer-term is probably what made it make this sharp move. So this is the essence of why people like to trade options. They can make money. My my thought is because of, I'll just, uh, you know, in our class, we have people that have various strategies. We have some people that are very sophisticated. Um, you know, people that are more sophisticated uh, join um, Chris Capri's class or Nick's class because they're more you know, more sophisticated for the more sophisticated people that want to get into options. Um, but my particular option style uh, back when I was trading is I like to look for things that are overbought or oversold, maybe from a longer term basis. And I look for things that look like they're ready to move imminently, right? And something like this that's so beaten down. The odds that it just stops and goes sideways for the next few days, like like if Walmart was just to trade around 125 over the next week, I would be shocked. You know, it's either going to rip higher or, well, I shouldn't say that. There's a good chance it's going to rip back higher or it's going to continue to go lower. If it rips back higher the way I suggested or described you know, the option trader is going to make a lot of money. 
So my strategy was to look for stuff that longer term dynamics were in play. And then you use the options to take advantage of the shorter term movements that result from the longer term dynamics. So, you know, we were not surprised at all in the class. And I don't know if any of our students are here that we saw this big move down in the market because we were looking at Apple, right? Apple was testing this clear resistance, okay? I mean, I'm sorry, it, resistance becomes support like we talked about. So Apple was testing clear support right here, May 6th, May 7th. Well, actually May 9th, because that was a weekend. It started to break down. So the biggest stock in the market starts to break clear support. Second biggest stock in the market, Microsoft, same time starts to make, break support. Some of the students in the class were thinking, you know, we have the two biggest stocks in the market are breaking support at the same time. That's telling us there's a good chance the market's going to go lower. So look at this between May 9th and May 12th, Microsoft went from 270 to 255. Now, we have some of the students that trade this. This is inverse to the Qs, and it's it, it moves three times as much as the Qs do, but in the inverse way. The Qs are the NASDAQ 100, and Apple and Microsoft are big parts of the NASDAQ 100. The NASDAQ 100 are the 100 biggest stocks in the NASDAQ that aren't in the financial sector. So look what happened here. That same time period, May 6th, um, we went here from 50 up to, we peaked up at 61. So this was over a 20% move that some of the students got in just a few days. Some of them bought options on this, bought call options on this. And, you know, I, I can't verify it. I don't see their accounts or anything like that. And I have no reason to, um, to doubt them. You know, some of the students were saying they made, you know, you know, six, seven, eight hundred percent return on their options. Um, and it's not surprising. One of the keys about trading to be successful is understanding you don't always need to be involved. Sometimes it's okay to be on the sidelines and wait for a really big, great, nice, convincing signal come along. And when you have the two biggest stocks in the market in the, you know, in the NASDAQ simultaneously breaking clear support levels, that's about as good of a signal as you're going to get. So that told us that there was a good chance there was an, a tradable move imminent that was imminent wasn't guaranteed but there was a good chance it was going to happen and after apple and microsoft broke the support we got these two big down days here you know may 11th and may 12th so another theme in this in the school is not just learning about the various investment strategies and products but how to make money when the market goes down how to make money when inflation goes higher because i think that those are two things we're going to see over the next few months, if not longer. A continued rise of inflation. Stocks are going to continue to deteriorate, although I do think maybe there's still a little bit of a short time 
short shorter term upside move. But the important thing that we focus on in the institutional world is our trading levels, right? Look at this. Look at where the S&P found a bottom on May 12th. Low trade on the S&P SPY was 385. Look back here. March of last year, low trade, 385. Markets like particular levels for some reason. Sometimes we know why, sometimes we don't. But just knowing which levels are important is, is key to being a successful trader. For example, market starts to fall apart. Well, this was when we were out in Vegas and we were talking about this, I guess, on this day right here. So, yeah, so May 12th, literally... Literally, I literally we were talking about this. This could be the bottom, at least for now. Why? Well, do we have a magic secret formula we figured out? No. We just looked back here and said, hey, you know, this same level was support. Levels that are support can stay intact for a long time. Levels that were support can convert into resistance. For some reason, I don't know why. I don't know why it wasn't 166 or 163. Look how clear this 164 level is. It was support, went lower, people had buyer's remorse, they go to sell, level that was support becomes resistance. So when things get to these important levels, they tend to break one way or the other. They don't tend to just hang out and stay at them. Like you can even see in here, it's like bounce, bounce, bounce. So when something gets to an important level and it's overbought or oversold, that gets us to start salivating. And that gets us to start saying, if this market breaks this way, these are the options that are going to make the most sense. If it breaks the other way, these are going to be the options that make the most sense. For example, you could have made money buying puts on Apple, right? You know, you could have made money buying puts on an Apple. You could have crushed it. You could have crushed it even more had you bought puts on something that was leveraged three or had you, in this case, bought calls. You can even, um, you know, um, this, so this goes inverse, this goes inversely. So in other words, just because Apple's going down doesn't mean it's the only place to make money, right? If Apple's going down, that's going to bring down the tech sector. A leveraged ETF that's inverse might move three times higher in the different direction. A leveraged ETF that's designed to go the same way as Apple could go three times in the same direction. Like this here, this is this is designed to move three times the Qs. So Qs goes up 1%, this goes up 3%. Of course, that, you know, now it's down more. If say you had your direction right today and you were thinking, oh, gee, you know, I'm going to go buy some puts on the Qs. Well, the Qs are down 2.3%. You could do be doing very well right now. But if you bought put on the if you bought put on the T triple Qs, you know, these guys are down 7%. You would be doing much better. So, you know, option trading, it's um not something that should intimidate people. That being said, I think you need to know what you're doing before you go into it. Um, but it's not as complicated as it might sound. And Ultimately, what it comes down to is this, getting the direction of the market right. 
which is not as complicated as it might sound. If we focus on what price levels are important, um, what the momentum is, that's the roadmap of the market. Then within the market, we explore and we look for the best ways to take advantage of it. Uh, just to show you something here on Apple, just to show you the importance of the levels and how I don't think you should underestimate it. Look at where Apple found a bottom last October, right? Right around 139, right? Three, four days in a row here, right around 139. Why was it not 138 or 137 or 141? That I don't know. It's really a mystery how all these kind of forces come together and somehow magically form this level. And academics can't explain it, but you know, traders can. And we just say, well, actually, we can't explain it. We just accept it. I guess that's the difference. Look at this bottom last, this I guess was Thursday. Low trade, 138.80. So we're taking a stock that literally has 2.3 trillion, not billion, trillion dollar market cap. And just knowing where these levels are was able for people, I know some of the students, um, to catch this to within within points. So that's extraordinary. And most most well, no fundamental analyst can do that. Most technicians can't because they don't understand how this stuff works. But if you understand the basics, you know, this would have been a great opportunity here to buy a call. I mean, Apple rate is, you know, is up from 139 to 145. Well, there might be call options that went up by doubled or tripled in there. So just seeing it overextended, it gets to a support level, starts to reverse. You get in there, you buy the calls, the things, the the rebound runs out of steam, you sell the calls. Uh, and that is what our option traders like to do. So I guess if we got a few minutes, um, we could take some comments or questions. Uh, let's see. All right, so you guys are looking at AMC. Let's take a look at AMC. I haven't looked at AMC in a few days, but just to see if we can identify some important price levels. So the first thing I would see is that there's a good chance it's at resistance now. And look at this right off the bat. We talk about important levels, right? Like I said, I haven't looked at this in a while, but this blue line or this black line, I'm going to just say is 1380. Back here, it was resistance. Last March, it was resistance here, right before we had a big blast off higher. It became support, and now there's a good chance it's resistance. So let's think about this again, right? Is there, did it stop at this level here just, you know, for some freak of, you know, the cosmos or whatever? Well, probably not. There's probably a fair amount of people who bought AMC here the last time it was at this level, who thought they made a great call when it went higher, but then it starts to come lower and they're still, you know, they're still making money. But when it falls through this level, now a lot of the people who bought here say, darn, I shouldn't have bought it. I made a mistake. I'm going to sell it, but I don't want to lose money. So I'm going to put my sell order at the same price I bought it at. Now let's look at this chart carefully here. This is on the 1380 level. On this particular day, May 10th, the high trade was 14, and it came right back. This particular day here, 
the high trade was 1371. Right now we're just underneath it. So I mean, I I'm not in AMC right now and I wouldn't be long, but if it looks like this resistance is going to break, a lot of times when resistance breaks, it means the sellers are done. And once the supply comes out of the market, it's just a supply and demand thing. We take supply out of the market, the demand could drive it higher. So potential way to use an option strategy here is to, if if it looks like AMC is going to break out, that's when you would think about buying calls. Conversely, if it looks like it's going to fail and roll over, that's when you would think about buying the puts. So, so uh, yeah, let me just see if I got a few more questions and let me know what you think, Spencer. I think we're getting close to the end here. I tend to lose track of time. How far of an expiration are you looking for when day trading options? That's a good question, T. Riley asks. Well, if you're day trading, just by the nature of your style, you're very short term, right? You're going to get out towards the end of the day. So if in, in, in that situation, you're probably better off trading the nearest term contracts that you can. Because if you're trading longer term contracts, you're going to be paying a higher premium for that time value. But if you're having a short term position, paying for a longer term time value is really kind of just a waste of money. So when I was trading, I would be looking at either expiration, you know, well, now they have multiple expirations, but back, you know, it used to be like basically on Friday. So I would be looking for something this Friday or next Friday, you don't want to trade something that's six months out because even if you get the right direction, there might be so much time value on that that you might not even make a profit. So I would say in general, short term, what does support do I see in SPY? Well, one of the things we focus on in the class every day is our various levels of importance. And I would say that we have 397 is important. We go back to here. It was this little peak back here last March. And we could see it was support for a few days. And then it became resistance. And then it became support. Remember, these are very short term. But the short term levels of importance are 397, 385, uh, and this 405 level, right? 405 was support here, support here, resistance here and here. It looked like it was going to get through it yesterday. Now we're backing off a little bit. So, you know, that was our short-term target was 405. So it exceeded a little bit, but now I think we're going to probably just see if we break 405 next, next stop 412, we start to break below 397. I think we get back to 385 again. So we, we like to let the market tell us what to do. And these things are, I know it's kind of hard to see sometimes, but, you know, there's a reason why the bottom was 385 and not 384 or 386. It was at 385 because the bottom back here was 385. You know, markets like different levels. And for some reason, you know, it just doesn't like 388, 389, 390. You know, it likes 397. 
I mean, it likes 385. The next level it looks like is like 397. I think this 405 level is important. Next stop up would be 412. Next stop up above that would probably be around 429. What I'm doing is I'm looking at levels that were former peaks. Like you can almost guarantee that if SPY gets back up to here, and I would assume at some point in the future of civilization, it will. Um, this high here, you know, a, a, a well-defined peak like that, there's probably going to be resistance at it. Back here, another well-defined peak, probably going to be resistance there. So I know, you know, I know we're not going to get there anytime soon, but just to show you the way that someone like me would look at this with, if we're up here, what, what are the three levels I'd be looking at? Well, this peak, this peak, and that peak. That's where we would probably hit resistance, resistance, resistance. And what happens is they're like, markets are like staircases. You know, they break through a level and then they go into a trading range. And then they go through the next level and they go into the trading range. So the really good thing about our style of trading or analysis is you don't really need to be right. Like, because we just let the market tell us what to do. I don't know where the market's going to be in a month. But I know if it gets above 405 and it holds, there's a good chance it's going to get to 412, 412. If it doesn't break 405, then there's a chance it gets down there. And if it breaks there, then it gets down there. So the market is going to tell us which way it goes based on how it reacts when it gets to certain levels that are, are important. Zen Bullish says, Mark does it technically. Yeah, primarily... Um, Primarily, we focus on technicals um, in the class, but a lot of times we look at other things too. Every day is different. Um, and like when a when an important company like Walmart issues earnings, um, like today we spent some time going through the Walmart earnings. Um, because a company like Walmart is, um, you know, it's like a bellwether, right? And what we're really looking for not just in Walmart, but in, in some of these other retailers is inflation, right? How much are higher prices affecting these, uh, affecting these companies? Why did Walmart miss by so much? Well, it looks like one of the reasons why it missed by so much is because oil prices are going higher. What's a way to make money, uh, in an inflationary environment? Well, a lot of the students in the class have invested in this, this ETF, uh, which is the symbol is DBC, which tracks inflation. So we primarily focus on technicals, but you know, we also kind of improvise depending on what's going on on the day. So I'm gonna um I'm gonna move on then. I have to get ready for my new class. And my friend Chris Capri is gonna be on, and he is a true options guru. He probably has more options knowledge in his pinky than I do in my entire body. Um, but thanks, everybody. Uh, I appreciate it. And thanks I guess Mark. I'll catch up with you soon. Uh, and before Mark goes, I just want to say there is that link that's in the chat. I'm going to put it on the screen also right now, but it's much easier if you just click on it in the chat because that's where it's clickable. Uh, that's the link to Mark's uh, training school. Yeah, let's put it on the screen right now. How about that? That might make things a little bit easier for you. Um, there it is. All right, there, there's a link on the screen. It's clickable in the chat, though. Uh, you can get access to Mark's school 
today only we're doing a special because we it, it, this is our once a month boot camp that we do so because of that we're doing a special today only seven dollars if you click that link today the link is going away and just if you're watching this later the today's may 18th 2021 uh 2022 the link is going away after today uh so click on that in the chat on the screen do what you got to do you can get more of mark in your life mark always a pleasure man Thanks okay all right. Thanks, everyone.